0: sleep quite so peacefully and easily as the two nights before so like most things I talk about it's only temporary I often probably sound like this is it this happened this is it whether good or bad so peacefully drifting off to sleep might be over I don't know if taking my last dose of hearty nutritionals at 6 p.m. is too late I will try to maybe take it at about 5 today because it can be a little bit energizing and I need enough time to feel like I'm getting tired to go to sleep. And tonight I will reduce my medications down to the last 8th. So I'll be on 75 milligrams of lithium and 625 milligrams of trazodone. And a Benadryl. And I'm not calling Hardy Nutritionals today because it's a holiday. So they said if everything was going smooth, just do the reduction tonight and call them tomorrow. So tonight, 1 8th, and then that will be for a total of 5 nights. And then on Saturday night, I will be going to sleep without any medication. I'm not sure if they'll keep me on the Benadryl a little bit longer because I haven't been reducing that. I've just been taking one every night, so I'll ask them about that. And maybe I'll try to stay on it a couple nights, because my friend is coming, so it'll be nice to have something to at least help me fall asleep a little bit. And when I came off my medications two years ago, I was able to come off them over a period of seven months, very slowly. And I was off all of them for three weeks, and then I went back into a crisis. A psychosis for about three days and then ended up in the hospital so even though I will be off my medications I won't really feel like I've really accomplished something until I've been off them for at least three weeks and beyond so just because I'm off them doesn't mean I'm in the safe zone but at least this time I'm being supported by Hardy Nutritionals and the nutrition in it. Last time, I was taking a bunch of vitamins for having a biotype of bipolar called pyral disorder, which is taking extra B6, primrose oil, and zinc, and I was doing a 10-series of Rolfing, and halfway through the 10-series, I figured, oh, my body's in alignment, so I don't need any of these supplements, so I stopped taking them. And continued tapering off meds and I'm not sure if that's part of what was the problem with tapering off without any nutritional support so I'll see this time whether being on the micronutrient support will really be supportive and if last time coming off the vitamins I was taking was a bad idea and I think it was I think my brain and my body definitely has a nutrient dependency of some kind that hopefully the Hardy Nutritionals is addressing. Last night, I probably didn't fall asleep till 11 or 11.30. I was just staying up because I wasn't feeling tired and then it took me a bit to fall asleep and I slept till eight, so I had a pretty good sleep, but I am feeling a bit tired and it could be partially that I went rollerblading 13 miles on Saturday and on Sunday I did a hike. Last night I was playing a pretty intense game of Carcassonne and I don't know if anyone plays that online but it's really fun. And I won. So I'm thinking if after a month of being off these meds I'm still good that I should go into sharing that pretty quickly and I say that because when I had chronic fatigue syndrome and I got better I wanted to at some point do something to share what I would learned and how I'd healed but I think I delayed it too long and then I just got used to the good health and kind of forgot about the fact that I wasn't feeling well for so long And I don't think I went on with my life, I was hoping to do something to share, but I just didn't get to it. And then the mental health crisis happened, so I feel it's important to do something sooner rather than later, and not just rest in knowing that I was able to do it, if I am able to. And I think some of these end notes in my book here I might have talked about, but I didn't tick them off properly because I was probably just kind of out of it on the Seroquel or maybe just going into that extreme extrapolation and talking to myself thing without keeping proper track. I was starting to skip around in my notebook and blah, blah, blah. So if I talked about it, that's okay. And last night I was saying to myself that this is a dia blog, but really it's a dia vlog because it's a video log. And so this is a dia vlog with myself. And I was watching a webinar with Matthew Federici a while ago, and he used some good language. He was talking about crisis defined with a mental health label instead of saying mental illness or somebody with a mental illness or this person's mentally ill, crisis defined with a mental health label, which doesn't mean that's how the person defines it. So I might even change that to crisis defined by psychiatry with a mental health label, but me myself, I don't define my crisis with a mental health label. Maybe I define it in terms of some past trauma and and then also all of the good stuff and interesting stuff and things that i've been inquiring into after the fact and he also said something about moving beyond this without the need for professional service or medication and people don't usually say that and i believe Matthew Federici is a peer and he's been doing work for quite a long time, but it's cool that he's actually saying this because I think a lot of us get information that we'll be having to have professional services and medication for the rest of our life, and that's not necessarily true, and I believe he was actually saying that in terms of most people don't need professional services and medication forever. But in my mind, they still make it sound that way, especially with the major diagnoses of, say, bipolar or schizophrenia. And you talked about the need for more inner voices in terms of industry experts and the system advancing from within, from people who have gone through the system and forming the system. And I think that's one of the most important things. The system needs to start listening to people with lived experience and not just as a one-off event or doing a little bit of surveys, but actually having people working in the system to help the system change based on lived experience, not just some kind of tokenistic position or token. Um, surveys or things like that and he said new dialogues emerge out of new eyes different perspectives than traditional perspectives and in my dialogue vlog with myself I've definitely talked to myself about a lot of different perspectives outside the tradition of the mental health system and psychiatry and he mentioned social contact theory I don't know what that is and he said something about new dialogues and new insights. And that's what I've been doing with myself because, partly because the system doesn't listen. I used to work in the system and then I put a complaint into the system about my experience, got a kind of blah reply. Nothing's going to change based on just sending in complaints here and there. So that's one of the reasons why I just talked to myself. Because nobody else is going to listen or has time to listen or wants to listen or can listen or has the capability of listening because all they can hear is what they've been trained through their expensive schooling to believe and and so many things. So I just talk to myself and maybe nobody will ever listen to anything that I've said and that doesn't matter because... Process fulfills its own purpose whether anyone ever listens or not and last night I realized that when this energy comes in and map consciousness it's trying to get us embodied so that's why it's more of just a movement of thought in the brain and living in those movements of thought but we start living in the movements of the body and that's part of the reason why we feel like we don't have control because usually we're living in the movements of of the thoughts so when our body really starts moving with the energy of the moment it's a little bit scary and confusing or and it can be energetic and fun too but it's not any one thing in particular it's not something that we can just think certain thoughts and it will feel like that it really feels like the moment and and so it's rich and changing and not held consistent by the thoughts in our head And since we are so moving with the moment, and if thoughts get created, they can be of a wider variety, and then that can get scary too. And I've talked about that quite a bit before, because I was thinking about how I talk about embody your mania, but that energy itself is helping that embodiment, and then harvesting that, get the body to sort of remember, just like, it's like muscle memory. We have that muscle memory of mania, and we can kind of get with that again. And Matthew Federici mentions something called the clinician's delusion, which is where clinicians generally don't see a person move on to wellness. So clinicians can have a skewed view on how well people do, because usually they see people when people are at their worst, So it can kind of be a daunting job seeing people suffering and struggling and never really seeing the fruits of what they do because a lot of times that happens later. And to me, I still feel that people aren't doing as well as they could because of the system in which they're received and the things they're told to believe about what their future will be. So part of the clinician's delusion could be telling people not to expect much in their life. Apparently that doesn't happen as much anymore. But if clinicians are always seeing people at their worst, then the new people they see at their worst, they're going to t- they're going to act as if these people are never going to get better because that's what they see in their practice. I feel like there could be a magic initiative. People start different initiatives. Well, There could be one as the world as magic. And I was thinking about map consciousness and how it could be closer to the actual consensus reality because people think of consensus reality and I've talked of consensus reality as a world we all agree on. But really each person is sort of in their own world lost in their own thoughts and we can't agree on that much and that's why there's so much conflict in the world. But in map consciousness there's no conflict for a lot of it. When the conflict comes in a lot of times it's when we're re-merging with the apparent consensus. But I feel like map could be the real consensus in that when people go into that state a lot of the traits are very similar and and the values and how things are and feel for people. And if enough people were in that state together maybe that could actually take over as the consensus and i talked before about random decontrivisions and how we can only decontrive our tensions and we could do it in a random way and map consciousness the energy of that does that it's pretty random and it's definitely removing a lot of the contrivances but we can also do a process of random decontrivisions consciously Partly, it's not as powerful, but it's something. And I wonder if we can be decontrived, would we even need map consciousness? Because it's an energy that comes in to remove the contrivances. So if we can be completely decontrived, maybe we don't need that energy. And really, there is no map. So map consciousness, I use that term, but in terms of a map, like an actual outline there is no map there is no path just as krishnamurti would say truth is a pathless land and we really do feel pathless in that state we feel like we're just meeting the moment and responding moment to moment and it could be that we've just been so conditioned to respond with our past memories that it's difficult to respond to the present in a pathless way moment to moment as we do in map consciousness sort of like when a child is first learning to walk they might be able to take a couple steps but then they fall down and then they just revert to crawling and it's the same with map consciousness we're acting moment to moment we're in the moment we're spontaneous we're energetic and then we sort of fall down and go back to the old mode of being but then we can keep trying and keep learning to walk. Just as kids don't have an instruction manual to know how to walk, they just have this urge, this feeling, this capability, they have the structures and capacities to do so. And the fact that we can take quite a few steps in map consciousness shows that we have the capacity to be there and perhaps stay there which isn't a place it's just a way of walking it's just learning to walk with that energy just like kids have to learn to walk in gravity when it's a lot easier to crawl in gravity they could stay crawling forever It'd be a lot easier but by trying to walk we eventually master it and the thing with the mental health system is we try to walk in map consciousness and psychiatry comes along and says no you should crawl forever and gives us something to make it so we can't walk and there's a krishnamurti quote the action of conflict has its own energy which is divisive but the energy of perception and acting is entirely different and that energy is the energy of creation and to me map consciousness is perception and acting and we don't think there's no thinking in between because the thinking divides us from the action it makes it partial and partly the trouble is that society is not ready for beings that act totally we're conditioned to act according to these rules that arise in consciousness to stop spontaneous action and that doesn't mean that if we didn't have those rules that everyone would be completely misbehaved and things it wouldn't be that way if our natural perception and action and learning wasn't turned off by these rules that were given to us at a very young age we would actually be very adept at skillfully acting based on pure perception in the moment it becomes challenging when we've been conditioned our whole life to act based on these programs and rules, and then that disassembles, and we're left trying to learn what where we left off when we were five or six or seven years old. And no wonder a lot of us do things that people think, well, why did you pee on the floor? Or why did you test these rules of physics that we obviously know in terms of Wondering if we can walk through a wall or things like that. Well, these are things we might have wondered if we were children. And maybe we bumped into a wall because we were thinking we could walk through it. Who knows? So we really go back to where we left off as kids. And that's why it's difficult to start to learn where we left off in terms of the laws of perception and action in the moment. So if we had those 10 to 20 years of that skill versus interjecting thoughts into every single thing that we do and tensing our muscles and not being fluid and dynamic in our movements then will we be somewhere else entirely as a species so can we turn on the dialogue process the dialogical brain the inside brain and this is part of epigenetics it will epigenetically change the DNA in the brain to create a new brain can we approach with dialogue and dialogue excludes the ego and this is another level and I still feel like dialogue can go to dia improvologue which brings the dialogue and the improv in the moment perception and action in the moment the dialogue part is the words and the improv is the movement of the body so can we be dia beings. Can we go from being called bipolar to being dia improvologue or omni dia because it's not just bi. It's not binary. We think it's bi because the people who are judging us and putting labels on us think in terms of binary. Good, bad, right, wrong. Reward, punishment. Oh, you didn't behave the way everyone's conditioned to, so we're going to punish you with meds. So... It's just, oh, and if you behave properly, we'll let you out of this asylum. It's it's just a bunch of hooey. It's just a bunch of crap. But it's up to us to show them it's a bunch of crap. So we need to get with the Omni-Daya and provologue and really shine each moment. And I wonder if mania is an emergent property of the mind. Can we map this consciousness together through Omni, die and prologue? Can we speak as the moment? Can we approach life not knowing with love? And the real question out of the million questions is, can we allow love to approach us? Because somehow in map consciousness, our guard goes down and love approaches us. And moves us and connects us. And we feel that as an experiential thing. And it eventually kind of peters out. But can we invite it back? Can we allow it to approach us? And it's not something that we can move towards. I'm not in that map conscious state right now. And it's not something that I can... I... with a will can actually get back to but i can negate the things that are preventing it from approaching can can one allow love to make a final approach and not just a temporary touchdown what are the possibilities what are the possibilities when we create new context and i feel like i'm talking about the brain partly talking as the brain talking to itself the human brain and we don't generally talk to our own brain or talk to and about the human brain in general we're so full of the mirage structures that arise within the brain and we don't question that we don't question if that's what the brain is really for and if that's what the brain really wants or i don't know if you can say wants but To me, it's like an inflammatory reaction. It's inflammatory sound and images and thoughts. Can we take an omnipolar approach? And me and the ego is an illusion. And when it's present, that illusion prevents us from making meaning because that structure has no meaning. Or it's only full of past meanings, which are no longer relevant in the present moment. And past meanings are no longer meanings. They're beliefs and that prevents new meaning. And again, that's why it's important to not believe a word that I say, or anyone says, or we say to ourselves. It's something that arises in the moment, it's specific to the context of the moment, and then it's done. And, and can we turn our so-called hallucinations into insights? Or can we have an insight into so-called hallucinations? same with delusions can we transform these into insights and part of what would transform them is just seeing them in the moment and dropping them and not bringing in that element of the me which wants to believe because hallucinations and delusions could be presented so the brain can have an insight into its own process that is creating illusions whether they're deemed hallucinations or delusions even the very structure of the self can be extrapolated back to see it's the same process that creates hallucinations and delusions. So the ego, in a way, is also a hallucination and delusion. So regular consciousness people might say that they don't hallucinate or have delusions, but really they do. It just hasn't got to the extent that it makes them non-functional in society. And pathology is usually determined by Non functioning in society or in the body if it's a physical pathology. So, mental pathology is usually not functioning in the social structure of society, which is already really messed up in terms of the values of how it's set up. So, the blessing in disguise of hallucinations and delusions could be to see the process of the brain. And so the brain could be trying to create insight by creating hallucinations and delusions, which are just an extended process is doing. Not just think, oh, all of a sudden there's a me that's having hallucinations. No, the me is a hallucination, and now that it has been augmented to a certain extent, the brain or this other witnessing element can see what that process is doing. So hallucinations and delusions could be insight itself, in that it makes the whole process in sight it makes it seeable but when psychiatry comes in and says you are ill or the me is ill well that's correct all of our me's are ill they're not there they're illusions and insight really is the light nutrition of perception so if one creates a hallucination And then there's this witnessing element that's able to see into that process and have an insight. There is nutrition or energy from that light that is emitted by seeing that process and allowing it to dissolve. So it gives off energy. And then we can use that. Or the brain just naturally uses that. When the brain has been wasting energy in a certain process for a really long time, and then it has an insight into that process and it stops obviously there's going to be a tremendous release of energy and a tremendous amount of energy that is now up for grabs in the brain. Being able to see something, see something in nature and understand it, that understanding gives a lot of energy. So that's part of how somebody gets so much energy accumulated in map consciousness is each moment one is learning and understanding something and that gives us energy. And society is not designed to learn in this way. It's not designed for a hyper-learning brain that is learning from reading the moment and reality. And in map consciousness, we don't have to think about doing something or how to do something. The moment does the calculation. So meeting the moment as pure perception creates that action. Just like jumping rock to rock, the whole body and brain does the calculation we don't have to think about how to move our leg how to position our foot that would just make it way too inefficient so thinking in the moment in any activity is really inefficiency because we're not allowing our whole being to do the calculation and move and when there's enough beings doing that that will move the whole reality in such a way that other beings can start perceiving and acting in that way too it will be in the gesturatic fabric of the universe there must be some kind of gesturatic fabric just like how animals they learn to do things even though they were never shown there's just a gesturatic fabric which might not even be in the dna but it's just in the perception of that brain, so if it's a bird, that bird's brain, that bird's eyes, and having the anatomical structures that they do responding to the environment in the moment is what creates their elegant dance with the universe. The same can be true of human beings and birds aren't trying to be something else and if humans were really in contact with the moment they wouldn't be trying to be something else either. So, can we activate this dialogical sector of the brain? And is this part of one of the sectors that comes online that Krishnamurti talks about with... Can human beings activate this new dimension in the brain, in the mind? And can we go from being on autopilot with our thoughts, having our body on autopilot... Moment, as in being in the moment so momentum, and moment is also something to do with direction, so if you change it slightly, you can be in moment om, as in om, that sound people make that means something spiritual. So being in the moment, moving in the direction of um. So it's allowing the moment to move us in the right direction. Krishnamurti talks about self-knowledge and it's important to have self-knowledge. And I was a little confused by this because he also talks about needing to deconstruct the self or something like that and to me self-knowledge could be really making one's own discoveries and also self-knowledge could be that the self is actually quite a bit vaster than this limited ego thing that we think we are so having knowledge and insight about that moment to moment and also he makes the statement that i am the world and the world is me so if that's the self then there's a heck of a lot to learn about can we be map consciousness investigators and i wonder if there's actual neurons for insight or if neurons would change in their structure or function or fluidity or the way they connect if our brain's operated based on insight and not old thought structures are there different neurons for insight for processing seeing and perception and having that immediately create action or response so perhaps things wouldn't get filtered through the prefrontal cortex maybe there's a c frontal cortex Maybe the prefrontal cortex gets changed in structure and function in that it is just for seeing, for perception, and not for all this thought, deception. And also something about turning perception into language. So the brain cells turning perception into language, fresh, not from memory so if one has a perception one sees something then there's a holistic formation of language in terms of the whole sentence forms not forming it from memory from the past so it arises in the present based on the perception not picking out what we think we're seeing according to what the past makes salient and then creating a sentence from the past to talk about what we're seeing in the present based on the past, so we're only seeing the past. So I think that would change the brain structure as well. This perception action would change how the language is structured in the brain. I wonder if this is how children with autism are trying to form language. They have to learn enough of it because it's not stored in the same way in the brain but then when they do they just perceive and form whole sentences so they would need to be taught language in a completely different way and I wrote down memetic engineering genes and I remember Dr. Bruce Lipton first saying genetic engineering genes Mode and sound of language creates new brain cells and new genes. These genes are selected for. And I'm just seeing now that when a brain goes into insight mode, it would create brain cells to be able to create new language. So perhaps going into insight mode is what creates mimetic engineering genes. or memetic engineering memes, the memetic structure starts engineering new memetic structures, which is something that would happen in insight. It would have to happen because it can't just come from past memory. So there's some kind of memetic engineering gene and memetic engineering meme process that happens with insight, and it builds the brain and creates in a different way. And I feel like this is happening in bipolar brains. And often we try to hold on to knowledge and facts in order to improve ourselves psychologically. But this ball of knowledge actually prevents this perception and learning from insight in the moment process. And part of the trouble with this process could be there's definitely the risk of sounding like an idiot. Because people might not understand what one is trying to say plus it's not coming from memory so it might not be on the same plane as what people use in order to have conversations and it also could be completely surprising and new to the one that is giving voice to it so one has to kind of let go in order for this energy and this voice to come through and the trouble is that so many of us are punished for having this voice come through and giving voice to new memes and turning on this epimemetic process that once it's squelched, we're afraid to open our mouths again. And that's part of what causes flat affect. It's just getting to the point where we can't say anything because what we might say is not really of the me and people will misinterpret it as mental illness. Can we dialogue about our perceptions? And I made a note at the bottom of this page. I wrote, I feel awake. And that to me is a little bit of a sign that my brain was in hyper mode for sure. Hyper insightful, hyper alert. And that's when it moves too far into beauty and too far into insight and perception. And it can hit up against that. Bodhisattva barrier. And I found an interesting Krishnamurti quote. He says, There is a different way of living. Will you listen? I've been there. Or not I. When there is no I, it is there. And I wrote, we don't have mental health challenges. We're being challenged by the universe to overcome personal mentation. We can't overcome it, but we can be overcome by that universal energy, the energy of humanity as a synergistic entity, one humanness. And that word synergistic is important I remember flipping through a book called Synergetics by Buckminster Fuller, and it's one of the most complex things I've ever laid eyes on. And he was definitely in a different dimension when he wrote that, or perhaps all the time. But can we make omni-dia-improvolog synergistic? Or maybe it's naturally synergistic. And that could be really key for so-called bipolar, is... We have so much energy, we have way more than we could ever use or or gather, and how do we make it synergy? And I looked up the definition of synergy and it says, the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. And I'm glad I'm reading this now in one of my last videos on this particular notebook I'm extrapolating because I've talked a lot about if we're able to create together as people that go into map consciousness. And when we go into map consciousness, we definitely have a lot of energy. Well, can we turn that into synergy? That is a good word to describe it. So I'll change the definition in terms of what I'm talking about. The interaction or cooperation of two or more trans-conscious, omnipolar altruists to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. And when we go into map consciousness, it has an effect. It changes reality, but often we're captured into the mental health paradigm and that part of the experience actually is what keeps reality going in the same way. It keeps the supposed consensus going. And it keeps it going into, oh, this is a mental illness. Well, I feel part of what will change it from being channeled in that way, or funneled in that way, or us being funneled in that way, is when we start to act synergetically or synergistically together and not just in the fight against this paradigm that we've been indoctrinated into but just by getting with what those energies are doing and and putting those together and then see what the sum of their separate effects is and so if we have two people and they have separate effects if those two people get together, the effect is going to be greater than the effect separately. And so when this happens, we don't even know what the effect is going to be. It's the unknown. So we have enough experience of the unknown when we're separately having this effect and affecting reality through this energy. But when we get together, and more people get together more people get together, we don't even know what the sum of the effects is. be i don't think it's one plus one equals two it's probably logarithmic which means to the power of ten so one is one and two is ten three is a hundred and four is a thousand five is ten thousand and then six is a million seven is ten million eight is a hundred million and and Nine, I think, is a billion, unless I lost count. And then ten is ten billion. So with ten of us, we could actually affect ten billion people, possibly. So there could be a type of omnipolar synergetics that we've just never really got together and, and moved together in our consciousness. And not even in map consciousness, but in an effort to map map consciousness and get our energies in alignment, so when the energy comes, it can move through us in more effective ways, in groups in this way. So it's like missing pieces of the puzzle. So there's 10 pieces in the puzzle, and there's 10 of us. When the energy comes in, it can actually do what it needs to do. It's kind of like you can't have a marching band with just a flute player, so this energy needs the rest of its marching band. Did we watch the way we walked and talked in mania? And were we artful in our approach to life? And if not, can we kind of remember that and can we bring that into an artful approach to the present moment, keeping mania in mind as opposed to our thought structures and ego structures that we have. And in a way this dialogue is a donation to the soundscape of mental health, to all the memes of mental health. But the real would be just to go beyond it. So donate and go beyond it. Because imagine other people say, oh, I'm going to try this self-dialogue or journal or dialogue blog or whatever and talk myself out of the mental health system. Well, then what? So one could donate that soundscape, those words to the mental health field to the mental health soundscape and then just move on and live a completely different life. And it might be important to remember to do this because because other people are suffering and struggling out there and don't know what's possible. And I think I've said before that the ego sense and the me sense, when it's operating, it blocks all the senses from acting together or acting synergetically or synergistically. So really, consciousness or mania, or when one is able to integrate that in such a way that it doesn't really feel that energetic, it's really synergy with the moment. So the moment has a certain effect, and we have a certain effect, but if we're really acting and cooperating and interacting with the moment in synergy there will be a creation greater than the effect of the two separately. And that's sort of what's happening now, because we aren't acting in concert with the moment. So it's creating this effect that is separative. So matter consciousness tries to break this, And we're very sensitive when we're first raw. We don't have this ego hazmat suit on. We don't have this ego protection up. It's like when we first mold. The skin is very sensitive. We can feel out of control and in danger. And we sort of are because we're very sensitive. And also we are out of control and in danger because the me has suspended itself. And that fear shock energy that I sometimes feel when I fall asleep, it's like a pattern that tries to repattern me back into the mode of fear. Right now, it's like we're wearing holographic suits of all the programs we're conditioned with, all these thoughts, images, and sounds. And those are what direct us. So we think we have choice, but really we're just immersed and enveloped in this programming that is moving us like a puppet. And when we break free from that map consciousness, I wonder we feel so free. And I remember rollerblading and doing all these tricks that I could never do, and it's just because my body is so free and full of energy and loose and not thinking, oh, I can't do that, I've never done that, but just moving in creative ways that I'd never imagined. So we can give voice to perceptions and actions in the moment to build humanity. Or we can continue like we have and give rise to the ego and build a society based on that. And we know where that's headed. The light of perception is escape velocity. It charges our rocket to leave the stratosphere. The ego soundscape. And I was thinking about how a lot of medications mess with our face. Makes us flat, makes us bloated, makes us tired, makes us partly unable to speak or enunciate words and it's interesting because a lot of what happens in our consciousness is about expression and, and words and talking and creating new memes and new thoughts and and the meds help to suppress this by actually changing our physiological structures our whole way of holding ourselves and the whole way our muscles can move themselves And it's not even us moving our muscles. Muscles move. So by paralyzing the muscles, it's a way to not allow this energy to come in and animate us and speak through us. So we can't give the expressions of perception. And it also messes with our eyes. We can't read. We can't see properly. It makes everything blurry. It makes our eyes hard to focus if we want to read or write. So it's blocking this other expression. Which is an expression beyond the ego. And somebody sent me a quote, and it was by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And one part of it was, you know even one life breathed easier because you have lived." And I thought that was very beautiful. And so, if I might find out that even one life can breathe easier because of this diar vlog, that would be that would be great. Be worth the hundreds of hours that I've been doing this. So, usually we're in a monologue in our head, and we can move into this process of dialogue with ourselves, others, and the universe. And perhaps there's even gaia-log. So, maybe this isn't even a dialogue, it's a Gaia vlog. And I wonder if we can be homo salient. And I don't know why I wrote that down, but I think it's a play on homo sapiens. And right now, our language is a progress and success, so that's what we make salient. That's what our brain makes salient. And we're trying to reach for that subconsciously or consciously, or we're moving away from the moment, and we're desiring because we don't have this success and progress. And part of the problem with progress is it always needs to progress. So, how can a mind be not in conflict if it's always wanting more? So, can part of this be making the language of what is going on beneath our language structures? So, making language salient, the structures of language salient, the structures of the ego salient. So by doing that, we're introducing a mode of seeing beyond the ego. We're trying to see the structure itself. So map is fishing for new language. And the new language will make new processes salient, or other processes salient. For example, the ego is a very old process, but it would be new in making it salient. And seeing the structure for what it is and creating new meaning of course and making these meanings salient so part of the task as an omnipolar transconscious altruist is to make some of this salient because we've been mostly silenced in in our ways of seeing and making meaning and creating language and speaking and we create this from the enfolded order and unfold it and Dr. David Bohm talks about the enfolded and unfolded order can we make this unfolding an art somehow we need to become skillful at this because when we go into that consciousness it's kind of just a bunch of babble it seems meaningful to us just like maybe when a baby is babbling, it seems meaningful to them. And there is some meaning in that they're babbling in order to to exercise those muscles in order to be able to speak at some point, And also to practice all the different sounds. So the same kind of thing happens in consciousness. We're starting to have this sort of babbling process happen. We can speak English, but we're sounding kind of incoherent but really we're learning to speak as a different energy not from the ego past and I feel like as we learn this skill and can unfold can blend in we won't really seem that different than we were we seem different when we're first learning how to speak in that way just as if I'm learning Spanish and I go to Mexico, it'll be pretty obvious that I'm a foreigner. But once I become very fluent, and if I live there for five years, people might not even notice that I'm not from that town. So, can we be from the town of mass consciousness and still live in amongst everyone and blend in and actually have a certain function? And just in the way we're speaking, people start to see differently and learn our language, instead of us being diverted into the language of the supposed consensus and vegetating the rest of our life? And can there be an art of going through this process of being labeled, of having a so-called mental illness, and going from believing it to not believing it, to artfully moving out of that paradigm in a, in a skillful way that one just sort of all of a sudden is just out of it and, and everything is okay and being able to embody that which one is meant to embody through that energy and bringing that energy and sharing it like what that energy was attempting to do in the first place of no longer babbling, but actually having one's head above the clouds a little bit and being able to to share some of the wisdom that can come through the process of this energy and being labeled and being able to move through it and step out of it and then speak from beyond it and help those along the way as well as the people who Continue to see it in just a pathological way. Help them too. So I have something else on. Perception fishes for new memes, for meaning. Perception is memeing. Perception sees something, understands a process, and the meme instantly unfolds and can be spoken. So the meme is actually in the perception. Perception. And the perception is always available in the infinity. Language is unfolded in our brains like a flower. Perception is a flower. Just like how the memes are unfolded in our emotions that I talked about earlier. When we emote, this unfolds the old story. This was an efficient way to store stories and instructions on what to do. Homo emotus goes to Homo Perceptus. So just like our emotions kind of unfold stories, so if I'm mad because something happened, I'll think of other things that were similar that made me mad to keep that energy going. So part of the stories are kind of embedded in the molecules of emotion. Well, when we look at reality we have a perception and insight in the same way it allows us to learn about similar things that we might have perceived before that gets stored in the brain in a very fluid way not as knowledge but as seeing and this could actually build the prefrontal cortex as the c frontal cortex into a structure of insights as opposed to thoughts so then insights can continue to unfold. Maybe one day it'll be the insight cortex. The total language, gestures, and words. I've seen people be this when I saw their light body self, because at one point in my first experience, I would just look at somebody, and they would be in their heavy, ego, hologram self, and when that got released, they would just, changed into this beautiful version of the self, which I call the light body self, which wasn't just, oh, they changed the tone of their voice. They changed all their gestures, the way they move their body, their skin tone, they lit up, and it was just the most beautiful thing. So it's like this cage of something was dissolved, and it seemed like I could dissolve it by looking at people. Maybe it was dissolving in front of my eyes, not because I was doing it, but because the energy wanted to show me something. It wanted to show me what's possible, right here, right now, in an instant, not through years and years of trying. And I wonder if that's one of the powers of perception. And Krishnamurti says, perception is action. Not there is an action, but the act of perceiving, just perceiving, will unfold. That which happens, that which has to happen based on that perception. I saw their light body. I stripped it away with vision. It's unmasking this world of destruction, that part of it. The light of this vision sees beyond the holophonic sound barrier imprisoning the material body. So if there's a language of human being that's beyond any verbal languages that we have, which is completely energetic and gesturetic and dynamic and rich and part of movement and part of the way we look into each other's eyes. And if we are all with that and got rid of all the verbal languages, we would probably create a different verbal language or just be completely psychic and telepathic and all that jazz. And there are laws of consciousness, and the crisis within that manifests all these other troubles. So, I got through my notebook a lot faster. I thought it would take me until June 20th. But I was doing a lot of self-dialogue, and I actually felt pretty energetic with these last couple videos. So I feel like I'm ending on a good note. And it's not really an ending, it's just a beginning. I do have two more pages of notes that were kind of notes that I made while I was talking to myself. And two pages isn't a lot, because sometimes, before, I would take a ton of notes based on what I was saying. So I will go through those two pages, and I have a little bit more on my computer. And again, I have tons of notes at home, and I have... Notes in other places, probably, but this was just the book I was doing here. But I feel like it's coming to a nice end, and I'm not sure what I will get into next in terms of talking about stuff. I think it could change based on whether I'm able to come off these meds or not. And I feel these last couple days in reading some of these notes. There was a video where I was just kind of like blah blah and wasn't really feeling it. But some of the videos, I was able to add a lot and talk for long periods of time without making a mistake or, or just going back to my notebook for the next point. So that could be a sign that maybe when I come off meds, I'll be able to do videos just talking and not... Talking from a notebook. So that might mean that I have to make videos on the fly and not write anything down. And just make some, even in public, even if people are standing there watching me talk to myself, i just be fine with that. And maybe I should get a little microphone or something so I'm able to do that and not have so much background noise. But that would be cool to be able to switch to not editing. Especially since now I'm not really getting that many insights out of the editing process. It really feels like this section of the dialogue is, is wrapping up. And the next part could be trying to figure out how to help people come off meds or something, which I want to try to get in touch with. Probably right when we get home as to not... To lay that too much, and also keep working on other stuff in terms of getting the audio videos up and stuff like that, and yeah, so it's not completely over of course, I'm going to keep talking about coming off meds for the next five days, and also afterwards, I'm just excited that. My brain's not creating a lot more of these extrapolations on this particular subject. And maybe also I will do 30 days of being on a ketogenic diet or on Dr. Mercola's high-fat, low-carb, low-protein diet for 30 days and try and get like a six-pack before I go home. Not because I need a six-pack, but it would make an interesting end to... all this talking and spending a lot of time sitting around to getting back to what I used to be very passionate about, which was being really healthy and spending a lot of time actually buying healthy food, making healthy food, shopping for healthy food, being excited for healthy food, and feeling energetic. So with that, I need to make sure I have ways to share energy because if I have a lot of energy. need to share it so getting myself back into superhuman form in order to share this dialogue or vlog and also share that we can transform and be our best self even though when we were diagnosed we probably thought we would never have that chance again